new year, should the Lord tarry. Amen. Well, we want to get into our lesson this morning again. Amen. Talking about core values. Amen. Boys, I feel like an old folks home in here. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Praise God. But uh, we want to get right into our lesson this morning. We're talking about core values in apostolic ministry. And we have seen over, and I re- rehash this because the the importance of apostolic ministry and the core values. Your core values, as you hear me say over and over, they never change. There are things that you hold dear and wholeheartedly to your life. Uh, we talked about apostolic doctrine. Apostolic doctrine is no more than the teachings of Jesus Christ and the apostles. And that's why we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.20 tells us is the chief cornerstone in whom all the building is fit framely together and grow up into a holy temple unto the Lord. So when we study the word of God, we see what they taught and what Jesus taught. And we are, as James tells us, to become doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. You see, God has our very best interests as heart. He wants us to, to be exactly what he wants us to be. That's to be perfect, complete in him. Amen. He wants us to not carry around with all kinds of burdens and problems and things of that nature. And so he has given us his word to help us to, to be steadfast and unmovable. So we talked about apostolic doctrine. We talked about apostolic unity. If the body of Christ is not divided, the Bible says God is one. So therefore, because God is one, then the body is not divided. So you find when we become one in Christ through baptism, we put on Christ. Amen. And once we put on Christ, we're in Christ. And so therefore, we must represent him. We're united together, the whole body. All of us, we are different members, but we're in one body. So God has you in this body for a purpose. And so therefore, you have to find out what your role is in this. Amen. Because we want to unite together. Okay. So unity of the body. Unite. Unite. Amen. Unite together. And then we talk about apostolic identity, who you are. You are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You reflect Christ to a lost and dying world. You live your life that, that it re, is a reflection of Jesus Christ to others, to your own family, to your other neighbors, to those you work with. Amen. So you want to remember that. Apostolic worship. We talked about apostolic worship. You're worshiping God. Amen. You're giving him your very best. You're worshiping. You you come before his presence with thanksgiving. You enter his gates with praise. Amen. It's your relationship to him. You're spending time dedicating your time with him. Amen. And so now we're talking about apostolic ministry. And Paul says in Ephesians 4, and he's given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ, that would be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every weight 
in a wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay and wait to the sea. But we grow up in Christ. Amen. Amen. He's the head. So that's what it's all about. We want to grow. As Peter ends his his epistle, the last thing he says, but grow. But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, verily the kindness, charity. If these things be in you and abound, they make that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he that like these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. See, when you are purged from your sins, when you repent of your sins, when you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you are to grow. You are to go forward. You're not to stay where you are. You're not to revert back to the old way of life. See, if you go back to the old way, then what is happening? You're going to continue to do the same old wrong things. And as a result, you're going to destroy yourself. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 1, that he that being often reproved, harden his neck, shall be destroyed, and that without remedy. See, you have to realize God's word is designed to get you to be perfected, to move forward. So you have to make up your mind to, to serve him. Amen. So we was talking about in, in this apostolic ministry. Now we've looked at the, we've looked at the apostles, we've looked at the prophets, and last week I was starting to touch a little bit on teachers. Amen. Now we got to keep in mind that the ministry is designed for the perfecting of the saints. See, that's why we said, you know, last week and a couple of weeks before that apostles governed God's church. They ground, they governed, they, they established God's church. They made the rules. They made the laws based on the word of God. They governed God's church. The prophets got it, God's church. When the prophets came, amen, they was coming in the word of the Lord to, to direct the people. And then we see that teachers ground God's church. Teachers grounds God's church. Amen. And then pastors guards God's church and evangelists gathers for God's church. Amen. So you see how it all works. So teachers, teachers, teachers. Throughout scripture, we see constantly that they were first called teachers. Amen. The same way as an apostle. None of these positions, as we have seen, is higher than any other. They're all for the perfecting of the saints. Amen. So don't look at a pastor as being higher than a teacher. Don't look at a prophet being higher than a pastor. None of these things. Amen. So you want to realize that as as you study God's word. Amen. Because it's all working together for the perfecting of the saints. So the teachers ground God's people in truth. They ground you in the truth of God's word. They bring a clarity. They bring an understanding so that you understand the truth of God's word. Peter says, amen, that we are to grow, as I said before. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Amen. So we realize here that truth will what? Make you free. 
See, this is what Jesus says in John 8. He says, and you shall know what? The truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. You are not to be in bondage. You are not to be bound because if the truth make you free, then you should be free indeed. That's what the scripture says. You have liberty to worship. You have liberty to go where you know to go. Amen. You, you're not bound by anything. In Christ, we live, we move, we have our beings. He have come that what? We might have life and that more abundantly. See, so teachers are designed to ground you in the truth of God's word. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 7, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep clothing, but inward, what? They're raven wolves. He says you will know them by their fruit. And we go back earlier, the last week we was talking about how you identify prophets and teachers. And we said last week, does their life reflect is uh, the fruit of the Spirit. See? If their life is not a reflection of the fruit of the Spirit, you should be able to see that. If they don't have love, if they don't have joy, if they don't have peace, if they don't have long-suffering, if they don't have gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance, you should be able to see that. The same way if I say I'm a Christian, but my life does not reflect of Christian based on the fruit of the Spirit, you should be able to easily pick that up. Say, so we we must realize that. Do their lives reflect the Word of God? Say, do you see Christ in them? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, so teachers grounds us in truth of God's Word. They bring out those points that are hidden, so that you have an understanding. Deep call upon deep. Upon the noise of the water spout. Amen. There's more deeper things in God. The truth, amen, shall make you free. I am the way, Jesus says. I am the truth and I am the life. Teachers ground you in doctrine. The basic fundamental doctrine of this organization shall be the full doctrine of eternal salvation, which is repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the initial signs of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. Amen. The basic doctrine. Amen. You, you have to know what is basic here. Why do you believe what you believe? Amen. Amen. You want to be, and teachers establish you in the truth. People says, well, why do you baptize in Jesus' name and not in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? I do baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. His name is Jesus. Amen. <laughs> you just have to, to have that understanding. Amen. He's the Father in creation. He's the Son in redemption. And He's the Holy Ghost in operation. By immunation. Amen. And that's based on the Word of God, the truth of God's Word. Say, you have to have that understanding. For as many as you have been baptized in Christ, what? You put on Christ. See? So that's why we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name in the heaven given unto men. What? Whereby we must be saved. See? So we have to realize this is why we, we take on the name of Jesus in the water of baptism. The blood is applied. It cleanses. When you look at the name of Jesus, we say the gospel. Okay, the doc, basic doctrine is the gospel. The death, the burial, 
and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we repent, we're dying to the things of this world. We say, I don't want to live like that anymore. I want a new change of life. Okay? When I'm baptized, I'm buried with Christ by baptism. When I come up, I'm risen to walk in newness of life with the Holy Ghost. That's the gospel. Okay? So the gospel is applied to our lives. And so teachers are designed to ground us in the doctrines of truth. If you notice, Paul's writing to the church at Rome. In Rome 16, 17, he says, Mark them which cause offense contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. See? So you, you have to realize why. Because there's only one doctrine. See? You, you, there's not a doctrine for me. There's not a doctrine for the Baptist. There's not a doctrine for the Lutheran. There's not a doctrine for the Presbyterian. There's not a doctrine. Jesus Christ is not divided. Okay? See, if the enemy can keep us divided, that's what he wants. Because a house divided, what? Can't stand. See? There's not a doctrine for them and a doctrine for us. There's one. Amen. From the beginning, Jude says, they all had a common salvation. Look at Jude 3. He says, Jude verse 3, he says, It was needful me to exalt you to what? Contend for the faith which was once, once, you know, delivered to the saints, right? Notice, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write to you of the common salvation, they all had the same thing. Acts 2.38 was the it. You know, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You know, for the young couple that that going to have someday have children, <laughs> you know, down the road, their children is going to have to have the same gospel. Amen. There, it's not going to change. See? And so we have to realize. So teachers are designed to ground us in the doctrine. Teachers are gr- designed to ground us in the way. See? The, in the beginning, it was called the way. Paul was arrested any that he found in this way. What is the way? In Jesus' name. The baptism in Jesus' name. Let them in a holiness separated life unto the Lord. So teachers has a very strong responsibilities. See? Now, we see that Paul told the church, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let me get there real quick. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And let's go to verse uh, 24 through 26. He says, in the servants of the Lord. Notice, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. 24, excuse me, verse 24. 1 Timothy 2, 24. It says, but the servants of the Lord. 2 Timothy, excuse me, I'm sorry. What did I say first? My mistake. Second Timothy 2.24. My mistake. I'm looking right at it. Don't get old. Okay? The servant... It better to get old. <laughs> the servants of the Lord. Remember what the Lord said to Isaiah in Isaiah 43.10? You are my servants, said the Lord, and my witnesses whom I have chosen, 
that you may know and believe me that I am he before me. There was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I even I am the Lord and beside me there is no Savior. So we're the servants of the Lord. So the servants of the Lord must not strive, but what? Be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. Say, patient. Notice, patience. Man, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preventure or by chance will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who has taken them captive at his will. See, so the servants of the Lord, you've got to be ready to teach. See, this is why church is so important to the born-again believer. See, because you come to learn. You come to get rooted and grounded in the truth of God's word because once you walk out these doors, you've got to go teach. Say, you're the servants of the Lord. Your life must be prepared to deliver what God is sending you to do. Your life must be a reflection, as Peter says, be ready to give an account of every man to ask you of the hope that is in you with fear, a reverence or meekness of God. See, you are saved to, to reach the, to bring others out of darkness unto the marvelous light. See, so you've got to be ready to teach. This is why you have to, as Peter told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, study. To show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You've got to get into the word. You've got to have teaching so you can get grounded and rooted, so you know what you're doing, so you know the truth, so you can share the truth, so you can know the winds of doctrine that is coming, so you're not led away by every wind of doctrine. See, you've got to have this down inside of you. So the servants of the Lord has got to be ready to teach God's word, to bring an understanding to the people. Amen. Be ready to give an account so you can what? Deliver. Jesus says in Luke 4, 18 and 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor or to teach the gospel. He has sent me to heal the broken heart, to preach deliverance to the captives, to recover of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Say, the acceptable years of the Lord. The Lord is coming again. So you need to tell people so they are ready. So they don't miss the ship. Amen. So we got to teach people. You've got an opportunity everywhere around you. Whether you're teaching in your home or whether you're teaching on the street or whether you're teaching on your job or in the school. You have a responsibility as the servants of God to teach people, to help them what? To recover them out of the snares of the devil, which has taken them captive at his will. Say, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, he says, if this gospel be hid, it's hid to them who's lost, and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. See? So if they are not walking in the gospel, living in the gospel, they're blind. See? So we have the responsibility now 
to bring them to the light so that they can see clearly. So you've got to teach. Look at Titus. Titus chapter number 2. Verse, Titus chapter 2 verse 1. Paul says, but speak thou the things which become what? Sound doctrine. Stable, steadfast, unmovable. That the aged men be sober, be grave, be temperate, be sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becoming holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husband, to love their children, to be the street, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exalt to be sober-minded, and all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, and doctrine showing uncorrupted gravity, sincerity, sound speech cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Amen. Notice, they are to teach sound doctrine. Say, there's things. Notice he says that the aged women are to teach the younger women. Amen. Think about this now. Alright? You are responsible as parents to teach. You don't let your kids get married and then try to teach them how to be moms and dads. That stuff starts when they're kids. You need to teach them how to make a home. You need to teach them how to wash clothes. You need to teach them how to iron their clothes. Don't do it all for them. You're enabling them. If you, that's all you're doing is you're doing everything for them. If you pick up their clothes off the floor, if you don't, if you always iron their clothes and never take a day to teach them or teach them how to cook, all you're doing is enabling them to keep doing wrong. See? You need to teach them how to be Husbands, how to be wives, you know, husbands, dads need to teach their kids how to change the oil, how to change a tire, you know. I'm a firm belief the reason divorce is so, so is going up is because people don't know how to be household keepers. Husbands don't know their role because nobody's ever taught them. Wives don't know their roles because nobody's ever taught them. We're missing the mark. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. See? If you try to learn how to be a husband after he's got married, you done missed the mark. See? We have to teach them not only how to be homemakers and how to be husbands and wives, but we need to teach them how to be godly Christians. We need to teach them from the Word of God. Everything is in here. Everything we need to be successful is right here in this book. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom just flowing out. And I think Proverbs 4, 7 says, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get an understanding. See? So that's why in the church, the teachers, we ground. We ground the body of Christ and we ground our families and truth, this is why it's key and essential in your home that you have daily devotions. Husbands and wives, amen. I'm going to get on the guys because you're supposed to be the head in leading and teaching your families. 
teaching them in the word of God, in the things of God. That's your job. That's your role. That's your responsibility. Amen. See? And so we have to learn and teach them. Teach them how to, as I said, how to iron. Teach them how to set a table. Teach them how to cook. Amen. You don't want them to get married and then all of a sudden they got to keep making macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Putting a few hot dogs in it. You want to, Proverbs 31 says she, she does what? She brings her meals from afar. In other words, she studies how to make something new to surprise the family. Amen. All these things are there. It's the design to teach us. Amen. So you don't wait for these things. Notice what Titus says. Teach her how to be what? Be sober. Teach them how to be alert. Teach them how to watch for wrong things. Teach them how to not run with every evil. That's why Peter says, don't think it's strange that once you become a Christian, that they get angry at you because you ain't running with them anymore. You need to teach your children. You have to be able to separate. You know, the Bible in Proverbs talks about surety. In other words, don't be co-signing for people. They, because, you know, some people go out there and they co-sign for people. And then when the bill collectors ain't paid, they come and get your stuff. You go like, whoa, what are you doing? You, you co-signed for it. You said you was good for it. See, so you have to know these things. These things has got to be taught early. Make sure you're friends. Teach them how to pick, you know, they, they teach your daughters not be running after some guy. She's, she's not the hunter. <laughs> He's the hunter. Amen. <laughs> He's the hunter. He's the one that's supposed to go look. And, and he, if he's not taught right, he's going to go look for anything. Say, you, you want to teach him to look for character. Beauty is only skin deep. Amen. <laughs> you got to have character. You're looking for character. How did I get on this? Okay, God, we got you. Amen. Teach them to love their husbands. Teach them to love their children, to love their wives. Amen. Come on. <laughs> that too. Amen. Because if you get into that family, then you need to know that family. Amen. You have to study. You have to be taught these things. Amen. How to keep the home. Amen. Come on. You got to keep the home. If the husband go out and he's working all day long and he's tired and he comes home and then he's got to come home and do the laundry, he's got to come home and cook his dinner, you know, and all this stuff, what does he need a wife for? If the wife has got to go out and work all day long, and, and slave and pay our own bills and all this stuff. What does she need a husband for? Hello? Marriage is a one thing. You're one. Think that's what scripture says. You leave your father and your mother and you become one. See, but the t- teaching of how to be that one starts when you're children. See? 
so that they understand when they blow out the unity candle, they become one and they operate as one. It's not division. Because if the home is divided, guess what? It's going to fall. See? So you have to make sure that they have a clear understanding of their roles. Amen. So we want to be able to teach. Amen. Teach things. Teach things that are important. Amen. To the body of Christ and the family of God. And teach them why religion is important. Teach them why going to church is important. Teach them why giving to God is important. Amen. It's amazing to me the number of people have no clue because the parents think it's the church's responsibility to teach them everything. No. And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Amen. I'm just an extension of what you're already supposed to be teaching because you have been born again. You are the servants of the Lord, and the servants of the Lord must be ready to teach. In your household, you should seize every opportunity to teach. If your grandkids come to your house, you should seize every opportunity to teach, you know, something about God. To teach them how to be a better person. Teach them how to live holy, right, and separated. We're all in this thing together. Amen. So we got to remember that. In Acts 8, going on. Amen. In Acts 8, we see here that they, when they were scattered abroad, what did they do? They went everywhere preaching the gospel or preaching the word. In other words, they brought the good news. You're going to have opportunities to teach. Amen. So you got to get ready to ground people in the things of God. You must not strive, but you must be gentle. Teaching is gentleness. That's why you don't see teachers yelling and screaming like evangelists and, and pastors. You know, they're gentle. They have that, usually that mild tone of, of teaching so that you have a clear understanding to give you an opportunity to ask the questions that you need to ask so that they, that you have that understanding. Because a lot of people are fighting against themselves. See, people that are in false doctrine is going to fight against themselves. They're going to argue with you, see, because they've been grounded in, in a certain way. See, so that's why you have to be patient. That's why you have to be gentle with people that is don't believe like you do, see, because if you get into an argument, what is it going to accomplish? Nothing, see. So you have to realize that. Amen. So our core values of apostolic doctrine is so important to our teachings. We want to teach us how to live our lives. Amen. And how to live according to God's word. So the teachers, as you see in scriptures, they ground it. Notice Paul, amen, that they would go places and they would stay sometime a whole year and a half. Sometimes two years and one spot. And all they did was just talk to get them what? Grounded. See? That's why I look at this church. If you ever notice at the beginning of the year, what do we do? I give you a sheet with a theme. This whole year was our theme. Better. Okay? Better. And what's the goal? We're trying to get you to see that in Christ Jesus, everything is so much better. 
Say, and so all year, what have we been pounding? That thought process of better. Every month, you, we go through the same theme all month long. Same thing with discipleship all month long. What am I doing? I'm grounding you. Say, the more repetition you hear, amen, the more scripture you hear over and over and over, say, the more you're going to know. That's why it's key and essential that you always bring your Bibles to church. Say, you need to always have your Bible with you when you come to church. Amen. And you should, oh, well, maybe you want to buy your highlighter. <laughs> Amen. Because what I, you know, as I was sharing with one of my minister friends, and I said, you know, people say to me all the time, well, you can quote so many scriptures. You can do this. You know why? It's because I highlight a lot. I highlight in my Bible a lot, see, and I, as I highlight it, I memorize it. I keep memorizing. I keep reading it over and over and over to see what it's saying to me. And I've learned to quote it to myself over and over and over is what I'm doing. And when I'm reading my Bible through every year, you figure 30-something years of reading my Bible through every year, I come to those highlights. I come to those highlights, and I keep memorizing those highlights. I keep memorizing those highlights. And as a result, I start knowing where they are. And if I know where they are, I know how, what they're saying. I may not always pronounce every, every word for word verbatim, but as a result, I'm grounding my own self in the truth. I take out Bible studies, and I do them myself. See? I'm not going to have you do something I'm not going to do myself. See, I, I highlight the Bible studies in my Bible. And at the end of the scripture, I write where the next scripture is that goes with the Bible study. And then I just keep practicing that, doing that. And I do morning manna. I'm, I'm just constantly in the word of God over and over and over and over and over. Every month, my wife and I, we read the book of Proverbs over and over every month, we get to the 31st, we go right back to the 1st. When we do our devotions every day, we're going to read the book of Proverbs, you know, over and over and over. So for 30-something years, we've been reading the book of Proverbs over and over and over and over. Psalms over and over and over and over. You know, not only am I grounding myself, I'm grounding her, you know, as well. See, so this is what teachers do is you have to ground yourself in the things of God so that you're ready to help others as well. See, it's what God de <clears throat> desires of you and I to do. Amen. See, because if I was to drop dead right now, you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to have to take this church and go on. You just can't quit because of me. Right? See, this is why we have to be grounded. This is why we have to be rooted. See, there's no reason, if you've been around this church here, because this couple, I mean, they came in here and they started establishing grounding, you know, you, and I'm just picking up where they were and grounding more and more and more and more. See, so that's what the teachers do is we ground people in the truth of the gospel of God's word. Amen. So we, we should all be masters in the word of God. Everybody should have a master's degree. 
Amen. Because you're studying God's Word. You're applying God's Word. Because what is it for? The perfecting of the saints. Say, if God tells us in Matthew 5, 48, to be perfect even as I am perfect, how am I going to get perfect if I don't study? How am I going to get perfect if I'm not where I can learn? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So, as you hear me say right here, everybody's faith should be running off the charts. <laughs> because you know the Word. In the beginning was the Word. You know it's Jesus Christ. And you trust in Him and you believe in Him. So your faith should always be strong. See? This is what teachers do, is they try to get you to a point to where your faith is so strong that nothing should shake you. Nothing should move you. What does Roman 8 say? And we know. Don't we know this? See? We know this. We should be the most excited bunch of folks in the whole world. <laughs> because we know God. Amen. We know who He is. You know? And so, and so we should be grounded in this thing. Look at Acts 15.35. Acts 15.35. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through. <laughs> Paul and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Notice, not only was Paul and Barnabas teachers, but others was teachers. See, Hebrews 5 says, at the time you ought to be what? Teachers. Say, you've been around the church any time, you're supposed to be teaching. It's not all up to me. It's not all up to Brother DeMove. It's not all up to Sister Parker. You know, everybody should be teaching. You should be involved to share the truth, to help ground. You know, Sister DeMove and Sister Linda is down there Grounding your children. See? And so it's important that you ground them too. See? This is what teachers do. You know? Get them grounded. It's what we want to accomplish in our zeal and eagerness in the things of God. Amen. And notice Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Amen. First they are to do what? Teach. And then they are to teach them again. Amen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Ghost. And then verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. So first, before you baptize people, people need to be taught. What is the purpose of baptism? They need to be taught. They need to be taught why they're being baptized in Jesus' name. They need to be taught, you know, what they're getting into, what they're understanding of it, so they have an understanding. You know, I, I ask people all the time. People say, you know, when you talk baptism to people a lot of times, 
You know, people say, well, I was baptized as a baby. Well, why were you baptized as a baby? They don't have a clue. Now, what's the purpose of baptism? For the remission of sins. Say, the remover, the washing away of one's sins. Babies don't know sin. <laughs> See? So that's why you, when you come to an age of accountability, of understanding, you know, then that's why you should be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because neither is there salvation in any other. See? That's why you usually give a Bible study to before you're baptized so that you have a knowledge of understanding of why you're doing what you're doing. Because you're taking on Christ. You're becoming a part of the body of Christ. See? So teachers has this responsibility. So notice, amen, there in Acts 15.35, you know, they taught and then also others taught as well. Amen. If you were to look at Acts chapter 18, you know, Apollos, what was he? He was eloquent in the scripture. See? And he was teaching the things that he knew. But then all of a sudden, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they pulled him to the side and they expound to him the ways of God more perfectly clear. See? And so that's why the servants of the Lord must what? Be gentle. See? Because you're going to run into people that don't have the full knowledge of the truth. And so, therefore, you have to have that gentleness and meekness of heart so that you can talk to them. You know, I, I think I, I, I quoted this in one of my morning manners. The guy asked me one time, he says, you know, are you born again? And I said, yes, I'm born again. And he says, you know... I am too. And I says, what is your understanding of being born again? He says, you know, I confess that Jesus is my, my Lord and Savior. And I just said to him, I don't, I don't want to be rude and I don't want you to think I'm rude. I said, but that's not what that scripture means to be born again. You know, to be born again, Jesus said, is of the water in the spirit. See? And so therefore that's repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. In the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's not just confessing Jesus, you know, as, as salvation. You're, you're not saved just by confessing Jesus. That's just a, a step to, to get you on the right path. See? But you must be born again of the water and the spirit. See? The devil believes there's one God. But he ain't saved and we know he ain't going to be saved. See? So you, you have to be gentle. And after I finished talking to the gentleman, he said to me, he says, you know, I've never seen it that way. I'm going to check it out. We didn't argue about it or anything else. You know, I just wanted him to have the understanding. See, because we, we, have to, we have to be aware of these things. So teach us grounds. Amen. Number D, miracles, miracles, miracles. Oh, my goodness. I might as well. Talk more on teaching because I don't want to go into a new new thought for next week. Got like five minutes here, but 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 let's look at some scriptures here. Amen. Let's go to um, let's go to Acts chapter eleven, verse twenty six. Acts eleven twenty six. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that the whole year notice. A whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. 
and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. See, notice a whole year. Wouldn't you like to study a whole year? <laughs> well, we did once in Germany. My pastor, you know, in Germany, he spent a whole year teaching the book of Ephesians. Never ventured out of it. The whole book for the whole year. We've spent the whole year in one book, the book of Ephesians, grounding us, grounded us in the scriptures. And I think my wife probably has got every note. Because back in those days, she could take shorthand. And I think she 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 recorded everything was being said as quickly as he was saying it. You know, and I think we probably still have the books and stuff grounding by teachers because he was a teacher from Stockton College, you know, and he was just got grounded. That was one of the things about, you know, my first my first salvation is that my first two pastors were teachers. I mean, when I got saved, they were both missionaries and missionaries usually teach a lot in foreign countries because of the language barrier. So they had the teaching ministry, and so they were just pounded and grounded and pounded and pounded and pounded. And so we had such strong teachings my first five years. You know, I went a whole year and wasn't even saved. And everybody in the church thought I was saved. You know, because I was there at every service. I was there at every service. I was in the worship service. I was in the prayer room, you know, before church service, you know, and everybody thought I was was there. And then God started dealing with my heart after the word had gotten in me so deep after that first year, you know, God started dealing with me about the oneness of God and explaining to me and showed me who he was. And then he showed me in the scriptures about baptism in his name and the essentiality of being baptized in his name. Amen. I wrestled with God all night, kind of like Jacob to the breaking of the day, you know. And I came home that weekend and I called my pastor and I says, Pastor, I need you to come talk to me about baptism. And he did. He came to the house. We went through the scripture and everything he showed me, God had already told me, had already showed me, you know. And that Sunday when he says to the church, he says, we're going to have a baptism today. And everybody's looking around because we have about as many as you are right here. Everybody's looking around. They're wondering who's going to be baptized. He says, Brother Rufus is going to be baptized today. And everybody says, what? <laughs> you know, they all thought I was because I was there. You know. And so after I got baptized, it was a message in tongues and interpretation. God says, I will use you and you will bring more people unto me. You know. And that's where my ministry kicked out of the window. You know, and here we are today. You know, but it started with being grounded by teachers. See, God's got a purpose for every one of you in your life. He didn't just save you to set you on a pew. You've got a ministry. You've got something to do in the kingdom of God. See, and so you need to allow God through his word to be rooted and grounded so that you can become what God wants you to, you to become. Amen? Praise God. So that finished, teachers. And then so next week we will look at, uh, try to finish up some of this other stuff. Amen? Praise God. So let's take a break. Father, we exalt you again this morning. Thank you.
for your word this morning. Oh, God, touch our hearts and our minds. We love you and we appreciate you. In Jesus' name, amen.